Good evening. It's another edition of 97 Octane, and we're joined tonight with our special guest, I guess uh, the terror of Junior B, to my old uh, Kill'em Weed Kings, although I never got to see him play, but apparently Chad did. It's uh, from World Hockey Report. It's Cody Jansen. Uh, happy to have you, Cody. Yeah, we'll see if we're saying that at the end of this, but uh, <laughs> happy to be here, guys. Uh, and these other two clowns are, uh, you know, we got Pelly Lindbergh uh, to, to Cody's uh, to Cody's right, and and Graham uh, hiding from the scene uh, on the far right. <laughs> How's it's everybody game doing? Time, boys. It's game time. Let's do it. Get the hell out of my crease. <laughs> you know, you know, Cody. In in episode one, we we got we ripped the bandaid off this thing, and and. You know, we talked about goalie fights, and I went with my favorite of all time, uh, Ray Emery, uh, getting after it with Matt uh, Biron and then Andrew Peters. Um, I think those other guys had Hextall and, and Patrick Roy or something like that as, as their faves. Uh, what, what's yours, and did you ever get in one yourself? And if so, we need the details. <laughs> oh, I never had a goalie on goalie fight. I got kicked out for one in junior B. It wasn't even a fight. It was like I threw a couple of punches. It was just a scrum in front of the net. But again, it was probably just a game that was getting out of hand against Vagerville, and they were just like, okay, that's enough of Janner tonight. So I that's as good as it gets. There's no story needed. Uh, favorite goalie fight of all time. You know, I, I think, like, Patrick Waugh, like he had a couple of good scraps against Detroit back in the day, right? Like, I was always an Osgood guy growing up. I, I think probably the one with the most hype ever, though, wasn't it Carey Price and Tim Thomas who tried to go? They attempted to fight back in the day. I think there was there was a lot of hype with that one. Um, who did Ryan Miller fight? And he was, uh, they had that little Leaf Sabres brawl. There was some good ones like Ray Emery, Andrew Peters. That's a great goalie on player. There's so many of them. I'm all for the old school game. You guys know that. Love it. I went with the uh, with the Hexel Potsen fight because I was, uh, as, a big, as a big Oiler uh, fan, uh, I hated Hexel early on in the 80s because of, you know, Ken Hackadell and Kent Nielsen and what have you. And I was always a bit of a Felix Poppin fan, though. So to see this mild-mannered Felix Poppin take on Hackstall and actually clean his clock pretty good, that one stands up for me. That was that was my go-to. 
Actually, who is the, who is the guy who Billy Smith like wait when he waves off his defender and then he scraps the guy? You know that video? Yeah. I think yeah. that was against the Colorado Rockies. I think it was. That's but a I did le- that's a thing. legendary move right there. What the fun fact there when we, when we talked goalie fights, I I looked up uh, all the goalies that had at least 100 penalty minutes in their lifetime to see who had the most fights. It wasn't even close. I mean, there were some guesses of like Hexel and what have you. The winner was Billy Smith with 21 fights. Second place was seven fights. Like, it wasn't even close. Billy Smith was just, he was his, he was his own bodyguard. Yeah, and I got it right. Remember that. Don't forget that. <laughs> um, I got to follow up with Chad and Bob because we, we, we talked about that, you know, in our first go round. But any memories of actually getting run that started all that? Like, have you, were you guys ever really run right, right, you know, into next week? Did that ever happen to all three of you? I guess uh, Chad and then Bob and then Cody go. Yo, yeah, it started with me playing for the Bantam Double A in Killam, Alberta. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> <laughs> playing in Innisfil where I was having a game of my life, got speared in the neck by some guy, and Danny Archer flipped his lid and broke his face. <clears throat> We were 14. It was a great time. Yeah, mine was uh, um, a guy came driving towards the net short side. I put my stick, I put my paddle down flat, and the guy, uh, my defenseman wiped him out, so he was coming creeping into me. I was just going to stand stand my ground on my knees, paddle flat, keep the puck out, and just wait for him to hit me. Uh, the guy tried jumping out of the way. They stuck his stick, uh, skate into the ice to try to kick himself away, but he actually ended up vaulting himself into me, and he slipped. So his knee caught me in my chin and went flying backwards. My defenseman had his leg trapped between me and the post. It actually snapped his leg, um, and that was the start of all my knee injuries. I tore my knee to shit in that one. I ended up in the back corner. The net was off. I was just, uh, Trainers and doctors come running out, and, the, and all, all you want to hear is uh, everything's okay. That's all you want to hear, right? You know, you know everything's not okay. But they took my mask off, and the first thing the trainer says is, this does not look good. That's what he says to me. That was, that was his comforting words to me. I had two teeth that were knocked out embedded into my roof from my mouth, so I was just bleeding out the whole thing. So my jaw was dislocated. It was a nasty one. Yeah, that's tough. That's a, When I was 17, I think it was probably first, maybe second game of the season we were playing on the road in Seattle. And I, I got ran from behind playing the puck behind the net. And I was out cold. That was that was kind of the end of my weekend. I don't remember much else from that. But I know I was on the IR for a couple of weeks after the fact. So that's <laughs> that's as good as my story gets. Did you ever get revenge on that guy? <laughs> I don't. I don't think – well, I don't even remember – Actually, no, I remember he, I think they came to Missoula later that year, but I don't think, I think that guy was kind of just a fourth, fifth line guy, right? So I don't remember him ever being too, too involved. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <clears throat> How about you, Dursa? Have you ran a goalie? No, yeah, I, I, I would, I, you know, I told you guys, I, I'm the Lady Bing trophy winner in my own mind from Massachusetts high school hockey. Like I, uh, I was like, I get four penalties a year, 44 penalty minutes. Like I, I was, I was, a, I don't know. I was too busy trying to set up people, but it, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask Derek Watkins and, uh, Darby Rombo about, you know, having me as their line mate, they'd say, yeah, we set him up a lot. He set us up a lot, but he never cashed in on any of our, his chances. <laughs> <laughs> we carried him. So, but they, but they were there, you know, like I was, I was the same height in, in Bantam that I, that I am now. And they, they were five, six then. And I don't think they've gained, grow, grown an inch since then. So. <laughs> I was their protector, I guess, but lazy left winger. Derek Watkins made it easy for me. He was a good centerman, but uh, yeah. Skate well enough to get myself out of trouble in the middle of the ice, but uh, not be aware enough <laughs> on the walls and get creamed there. But yeah, I don't know. Pretty shitty story, I, I guess. <laughs> um, so when did you play junior B Cody, that that's a twenty. 
would have been 2014 to 2016. So that 2014-15 year, I was up and down with Fort Mac. They were hosting Westerns that year. And so it was Cold Lake, too. So it was kind of the, the perfect storm to be bouncing around there. And then, yeah, so I would have played, like, most of that season with, with Cold Lake and Fort Mac. And then the following year, I didn't play any junior. I just played in Cold Lake. So that would have been the 2015-2016 season. Yeah. Did you carry Someone might want to fact check me, but <laughs> so did you carry on playing after? Did you play any senior hockey or anything like that? Oh yeah, of course. That's I. Well, I went overseas for a couple of stints too. It was, I mean, it's uh, interesting hockey stories for sure. But yeah, it was went overseas a little bit, played a little bit of senior as well, made my weekend cash, and then was kind of done with it after. You know, I was just done with being a goalie i guess it kind of just got it doesn't get easier right it just gets harder and so you know once i was like okay i'm gonna start actually working i was like you know i probably don't need to be strapping up the pads you know three times a week anymore so that was an easy decision for me did you ever meet aaron rollick uh do you know who aaron is yeah, lloyd minster ring a bell or something like that yeah he's actually from cold, cold lake um but I played college volleyball with Aaron. Um, I think now in the summer and stuff, he he, he tra- trains people. Uh, I think he's a bit he of a personal tra- trainer. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh man. Um, yeah. I so... ran into a lot of people again. I was a suitcase. If if anyone <laughs> did, you know, a second of research on me, they'd be able to find that. Traveled around, did we? Um, any idea where Connor Hellebuck's going to end up? Do I have any idea? I don't have any inside knowledge for you. I, I wish I did. I wish we could break some news here. I think there's a few teams that, that really do make sense for him. I guess it kind of just depends on where he's willing. I, I believe he's got a modified no trade, does he not? Uh, Someone think... smarter than me must know. But, again, I, I think he holds a little bit of the cards in his hands. And so knowing he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg, he probably can choose where he wants to go. I'm sure he would love to go out east. And so I I know it sounds crazy, and it's kind of off the grid. I was hearing someone talk about it a couple of days ago. And, like, can New Jersey make flexibility for it? Because they can't rely on Vanacek and Schmid. I, I don't care what anyone says. That's the least reliable tandem in the playoffs. So can they find room for a Connor Hellebuck? Are they willing to let go the assets that Winnipeg wants? Everything's a variable at this point. But if there's a wild card landing spot that I would like, I think he probably wants to go, you know, be in the Northeast. What's your uh, odds of him getting actually dealt? Oh, I think we're close to 99% here. I there is you know I, I think for Winnipeg they're kind of at a you know shit or get off the pot time it's you got to fully blow that thing up or you're gonna walk yourself into ten dark years. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you guys have anything you want to ask Cody there? Cody, do you think that? <laughs> do you think that the Edmonton Oilers should fire Dustin Schwartz? <laughs> oh, that's a Oilers questions are tough ones for me, boys. You know I don't, I don't want to get myself in hot water come tomorrow morning. Uh, so here's what I'll say about Schwartz, and I've heard a lot of talk about that as well. I do think that that needs to be evaluated. I really do. I think that there's no there's no more rookie errors you can find. He's been around the league long enough. He's been around the team long enough. You need to take a long, hard look at is he the reason our goaltenders are getting better or is he the reason our goaltenders are not improving when they're here or, or in the, when they should. Well, I still don't, I don't think he's making the final call. He's not writing the lineup up on the board. I'm sure there's a little bit of input. I also think that the way Jay Woodcroft's run everything, even through when Jay was coaching in the farm system, Jay was always a very hands-on guy with every little detail. And that's why you see all those line changes, which really threw me for a loop come playoff time. That's why you see some of the different goaltending starting situations where he isn't afraid to ride the hot hand. But as you said, 
he's also got his guys and he's got his plan in his head. And if that's to keep Jack Campbell on the bench, that's to keep Jack Campbell on the bench. I don't think Dusty Schwartz is really the one pulling any strings there, but I do think that you're, you're fair to question everyone at this point. You, you, it's, it's two years in a row with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl that you haven't won the Stanley cup in, in years where you've gotten better at the deadline you got to be able to answer those tough questions. And if a goalie coach is going to make the difference with Stuart Skinner, then maybe you do have to consider it. So do you think well, a, guy, a guy like Mike Smith, if he was in that position, would have been a little bit more forceful about getting Jack to start after he saved their ass in L.A.? You mean if Mike was the goalie coach? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I, you I, so? I, no, I, I don't. It's a big tree to be barking up. I really feel like there's a there's a big gap in the coaching world. I mean, we're talking about like put it in the office cubicle, like you're going up five floors into the CEO's room. You know, it's I, I don't think it's as much as a civil conversation of just like who do you think we should start after morning skate? I, I think it really comes down to the head coach is gonna sleep on it and he's gonna have his decision made, you know, before he steps foot in the rink. I, I thought you were going with like the, you're speed bagging the CEO to get the start. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not going that far. <laughs> and I like you like walking the line of not wanting to answer that and actually really answering it. <laughs> well, again, I, I don't want to. I, I would never, you know, say like, oh, this guy doesn't deserve a job. Oh, this guy's terrible at his job because I'm not in there. I mean, we're not getting coached by Schwartz, right? Like we're not in the Woodcroft conversations. So I don't want to overstep on any boundaries. But again, I, I'm still lucky enough to be able to, you know, work, work in sports media and have those relationships and connections. So I, I, I'm always, always been cautious about what I say when it comes to the Oilers. Well, it's also all part of that new school of goaltending. So uh, when I researched goal, goalie coaches there a little while ago, I, there's about 26 to 32 teams are all from the new style of goaltending. They're kind of coaches, the, their connections and, and, and their training they've done. And Schwartz is a part of that. Now, I think, like for me, I just, I've coached before, and I've been a goalie coach before on the junior A level and also helped the uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes in the training camp one year. Uh, this year is the first year I went back and kind of helped out some minor hockey goalies here in Edmonton area. And I tell you what, we kind of talked about this offline right before we started, but how much the game has changed and, and the kids have changed. Like it's a tougher batch to coach because uh, the kids are different. You, you have to communicate with them differently than when, than when we were playing. Like I, I responded well to a harsh coach, almost like a John Tortorella kind of coach. Like I, I kind of needed that kind of drive. That doesn't fly nowadays. You have to sugarcoat everything. So I do and think imagine how that is at the NHL level, though. Like when you think about a Dusty Schwartz, like he's only a year and a half removed from dealing with Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. To now he's got Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell, who are completely different personalities, completely different style of goaltenders. So I, I give a little bit of leeway there, and like that transition's crazy. Like those are as four opposite goaltenders as you can find me on a map. So th in that regard, I, I actually think there is a place for Schwartz in that regard, kind of like for the mental side of the game, because our, our guys have shown a, a pretty good ability to be able to bounce back after a bad game, and maybe Schwartz plays a part in that. I don't like the physical aspect. I don't like the style like Skinner plays uh, that most of the new goalies play. Like how many times do we see now where the goalie gets beat between the head and the pole because they're down in that RVR position or whatever it's called from in, from inside the face-off circle? Like you never used to see that back in the day. You just stayed standing to challenge that shooter. Now it's all about before angles, you, all about percentages. Before you answer, Cody, Bob, you and I are friends off now. Because <laughs> I said there's a place for sports. No, yep. I don't want him. I don't want him training our goalies as an efficient part of the game. The mental part of it, you know, there's probably a place from that way. But if we can get a mental part, I could do both. Skinner led two underneath his foot between his pad and the post. Two, not one, two, <laughs> two. I'm not fighting you on that. I'm telling you, I don't want him playing. I don't want him working physically with our goalies. I don't mind the mental aspect of it. That's fine. Uh. He's mentally, he's mentally not helping them at all. Cody, can I ask you a question? 
and you probably can't answer it, so you can just say I can't no, answer it. No, no, I again, I, I'll give you an answer to anything. You just might not like it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the season would have ended differently had they put Campbell in to play for Skinner after he won the game for against LA? Not a chance. No, I you don't think so. He wouldn't have got it done against Vegas. The, Vegas was too good. He wasn't going to outplay Aiden Hill. There's not a snowball's chance in hell that was happening the way Vegas was playing. And, and end of the day, I think it came between the years of the Oilers where Vegas was right up there. Like that was, it looked like the Oilers were stumped from the get go. They just lost their mojo. You weren't getting through. You weren't getting the quality chances. And when you were. Vegas got the timely saves. Uh, not to say Jack Campbell couldn't have made some timely saves because I really think he could have. I mean, one I still goal think over periods. a seven. One goal in six periods. I mean, his actions. I saw little glimpses of Roley and Campbell's play in the playoffs. Like he was aggressive. Yeah, that's because it he looks fighting. so awkward and uncoordinated he looks at times <laughs> making saves. But again, I, I love Jack as much as the next. I just don't think that he would have moved the needle. Maybe they pick you know, up another win or so. I, I just don't see them beating Vegas in a seven-gamer. Do you remember when they used to say Dominic Hasek looked awkward and weird in that? Well, that's... That's a guy coming from the Iron Curtain to the NHL. <laughs> a little bit of a just, different time. There. Just saying, no, the, can... the, the guy did okay. As long as he stopped the puck, it doesn't matter how good it looks. I don't disagree with you one bit there. I just don't know if I'd have faith in Jack Campbell to do that start to finish full series. I, but he, and I don't he, get he didn't get the I chance. Think, that's that's the 100% true. He did not get the chance. You're 100% the... right. So I think co- the capability is there. I just don't think he's shown consistency in his game throughout his career, actually, right now. Although I am banking on a, on a 2024 uh, Jack Campbell resurgence tour. Decent amount of people watching on Twitter right now. Uh, tough call Josh there from Heavy Hockey. Uh, asked the question to you, Cody. Who's a unknown coach who's ready to make the, the jump into the NHL? And what team would he fit? Like head coach, I think Mitch loves the obvious answer, right? Like Calgary, I won't say it lightly, Calgary screwed him out of a job. I think that Mitch Love is, again, he's not an AHL coach of the year by being lucky, right? Like that's a guy who has earned his stripes. He's had success at multiple levels. I think that there is going to be a lot of teams having that conversation with him. I don't know where he really fits right now. Like, I I don't think you could just, like, stamp him into a New York Rangers system and you'd see this immediate success. I I don't know. And, again, it's kind of like – no wonder Patrick Waz' phone's not ringing off the hook if teams have a chance to get Mitch Love, right? Like – I just don't know what his contract situation's like. Do, like, do the Flames have to give him permission? Are they going to mutually part ways for him to even have those conversations? I don't know how that would look in just that next transition. Like, do, do the Flames want him coaching in the Pacific? Probably not. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, because what happens if he, all of a sudden he becomes a Jack Adams winner, right? Like, it's, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into that whole coaching side of things. Thanks for the question, Josh. Oh man, uh, the, the, you know what's shitty now is is when Twitter scrap like scrap Periscope. Now Twitter comments don't really show up on the chat, so I kind of have to monitor that from my phone. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, what do you think the Oilers do this summer? Any ideas? Well, I hope they have a couple of conversations with guys that you know are, are probably you know, bubble guys for even making the team next year or, or guys you can free up some space so that you can make additions. I mean, I, I know the Yamamoto rumors have been going off. I, I would still say be very cautious with the people on Twitter talking about having sources. I That's that's Mexican tap water trustworthy for a lot of those guys. <laughs> like, again, I, I think that, like, is there a need for the Oilers to clear up cap space? Absolutely, if they want to make their team better. Like, that's a no-brainer. Anyone can throw that out there and no one's going to disagree but is it just like oh okay we're going to trade away yeah we're going to get rid of fogel we're going to move cc we're going to clear up this cap space we're bringing in taves we're bringing in connor brown we're going to go after eric carlson again we're going to find another guy we're going to keep broberg we're going to keep holloway like 
I don't know. Some of the stuff's a little outrageous, right? I think it comes down to how can you effectively shape your team? And we still saw in the playoffs, there's a weakness at D and the depth could still be better. So I think those are still two areas you need to address. I don't really see them pushing out someone like Cody CC just yet. I still think that his role is a little too valuable to replace at this moment. I could see them parting ways with a Yamo or a Fogel, but again, who are you bringing in to replace them? You know, how are you going to have that depth? Like you can't just assume Ryan McLeod's going to be this ultimate third line guy next year. Like you can't just assume things in the NHL. It doesn't work like that. You need to be building a foundation. And so if you're getting rid of an NHL player, albeit a bubble player at that, you still have to find a quality replacement for him. And it's a very weak UFA class. So, you know, Ken's got his work cut out. So you're thinking a big donut is happening this summer and maybe some improvement uh, at the trade deadline. <laughs> well, I, I think that's fair, though, right? Because you've got some of those young guys who you do want to see get bigger roles and opportunities. I want to see where Dylan Holloway fits in. I want to yeah. see what Phil Broberg yeah. does. I want to see if Vinny DeHarnay hit the video sessions over the summer, right? Like, I want to see those guys take the next step before you go and bury them in the lineup because you're going out and buying a bunch of fourth line plugs, right? Like totally agree. I think that there's still that leeway of like, you can't just scrap all development, but you have to, you know, you can't hold on to them forever. Also. I'm going to really, I'm going to really give you a skill testing question, but um, who's your, who's your Nick Bukestad replacement? uh, how, How do you strike gold there again and find somebody to, to do what he did? Uh, for the price that he did it for or is that like a one-off yeah that's a one-off i think that his price was just too too good to be true again i i love what nick brought to the team i thought that there was so much value there i don't know there's very few guys in the league who can do that right it's a reason why teams went after him you know i you know, Glenn Denning was on the market at the deadline too. I think Bukestad was the better player and he was the more efficient player at the time as well. So I don't think you can just one for one replace him unless someone is willing to part ways with a depth centerman. And then in that case, what are you trading on? We, we all know what their draft stock is this year. It's not that pretty. You don't got that much to move. So you, you got to be really creative with how you're spending your uh, dollars and draft picks. You guys got what's any? Your, uh, what's your take on the penalty kill? What do you, what do you see that we need to work on there? Because as good as a power play is, like that's, that's not a standing up any penalty kill we got. Chris Russell. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what, what did Chris sorry, Russell sorry. do? What did Chris Russell do best? He was a goalie. Soap <laughs> shots. That's again. I'll say that time and time again. Watch Florida and Vegas. I don't have any stats in front of me. I just feel like they block shots two to one for every he other was, team, yeah. right? He was the second that's, goaltender. That's what I feel. The Oilers are still. That's what Dallas was missing too, right? How many goals did Vegas score on Ottinger by just like throwing pucks towards the net, getting traffic there? And if Dallas wasn't blocking them, they're in the back of the net, right? Like I, I think of there. There's multiple instances where the Oilers, you know, maybe had chances to throw your body in front of some of those, and you know, maybe you take the option here or there. I think that hurts. So I, I don't think I, again. I'm not an X's and O's coach. I am sure not smart enough for that. But I just think when I watch games, I, I think that there are still some missed shot block opportunities, and we've all seen how it plays out in the playoffs, right? Why did Florida go on their run? They put their body on the line. They got beat to shit. But it's what it takes to get to the cup. Yep. You got uh, you got fan mail here, Cody. Probably some of you, oh, you you played against. Uh, it, this handles a hard one, but uh, A. Arherman Trout, <laughs> if I spit that out right, he says, hey, yeah. hey, Cody, not a big fan. Glad you aren't on the Legionnaires anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it's a tough crowd out there. It's a tough crowd. When, when, did, no, no, Herb's great guy. when did you play for the Legionnaires? My first year of midget or U18 midget. I don't know. Canceled so, anyways. You can't get canceled. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it's 2011, 20, 
Like the Swift Current Legionnaires were AAA at the time, so was up and down. Fun fact, I mean, everyone likes a great hockey story. So I, I started out playing AAA that year. They got a kid back from the SJ, so I got sent down. The double A team, both the coaches' kids were goalies. So what a situation. Ended up playing midget A ended up playing midget A for a couple of months. Uh after Christmas, the triple A teams they were terrible. I, we finished like eighth spot in the league. Got called back up, had a couple of starts, played good, ended up finishing off the season, played all the playoff games. That was that was my midget year. That was I only played one year of U eighteen too, so it's fun, but so we're, good, we're good, good memories of the Legion just getting our asses kicked by the Mintos every year. We're, we're hopping in the DeLorean <laughs> and going back to the future. And this guy's saying he's not a big fan. I, I call bullshit there. But. Yeah, there's there's oh, there's not a lot of fans after, you know, everything we've gone through with World Hockey Report. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we have you for about another 20 minutes, Cody? Is that good? or Why not? That's yeah. I, good telly. Let's roll. All right. <laughs> um, you guys have anything you want to you want to quiz Cody on? Well, I want to first say uh, kudos to Cody because I actually started following uh, World Hockey Report before I uh, I even was a, totally aware of the Heavy Hockey Network. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys like uh, as you mentioned before, you got to be careful what you uh, uh, read on Twitter. There's so many of these uh, <laughs> Mexican tap water things, which I thought was a good analogy <laughs> on it, but. Uh, Right off the start, just uh, just I applaud you because you're you're very insightful and you, and you communicate intelligently. I don't always agree with everything you say, but uh, at least at least you uh, you back up what you say. So um, kudos to you. That, that that's just my props to you on that one for sure. See, I take all the heat for it, and again, I'm not the Twitter guy. We've got a few others that uh, help out with the Twitter too. I, I I've just got some absolute beauties that that hang around for World Hockey Report too. So there's there's so many great people that have helped me with that. Again, I. I host the world hockey report shows and pod and got to do all that fun stuff too but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that have had a lot of fun with it and again i I just love the social media aspect of it we never tried to be you know these big times we never tried to be something we weren't and i think that's what's fun right that's why people watch your show that's why people you know they it's not like they deviate away from the big names all the time, but there are people searching for different content. And I think that's what we found with world hockey report is, you know, everyone can have an opinion. Everyone can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, it's always been that kind of, you know, no, no one's pressured to agree with us. We're not blocking anyone. If they don't like our takes, we're not, you know, throwing (laughs) fits and crying. I think we always know that social media is a place we want for, for people to have fun and enjoy talking hockey, no matter what it is. Just four Canadian boys disagreeing about Dustin Schwartz. Yeah, that's <laughs> again. I I think it's a fair conversation though to circle back to it quickly because a, a lot of people have talked about it, and I'm not saying like, oh, we should be packing his bags and booting him out the door. But I, if someone came to me and said, hey, we had a better option, I I know you might want to. I know that there's an argument to be had. But if, if someone came and said, oh, Sean Burke wants to move to Edmonton, oh, holy. Like, yes. Okay, oh, now yes. you're losing your mind, right? <laughs> like, again, I'm just throwing it out there as like the best goalie whisperer that I know of. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I, I think that everyone should be on the hot seat. You mentioned the penalty kill. You know, you, you mentioned the special teams. Okay, well, what went wrong? Is there someone else we can bring in? Do we need to actually get rid of someone? Can we just bring in, you know, other teams? Like, oh, now we've got a director of, you know, goalie personnel. Are they able to help out, you know, Schwartz and the goaltenders in the future? I, you know, you don't always have to subtract to add, but I think that the Oilers have always notoriously had a pretty small operation, and so that's kind of how they operate. Yeah, I found it. It's, a little... not, just the, it's not. It's not just the work on our goalies. It's the fact that uh, part of the job is to scout the other team's goalies, and we do have a fairly bad. Uh, history against backup or third string goalies. We tend to make them look like Vezina candidates. Meanwhile, they're lighting up our starters. So I feel like if you look at both sides of the coin, Scott is scudding other teams' goalies and the work he does with our goalies. It's not, it's not a sparkling track record. But but yeah, is- ask an elite shooter who is the toughest goalie to score on. They'll always tell you one they don't know, right? What's that? That's, that, that's that's what it you can to give them the scouting report you can say hey this guy got lit up in the american hockey league his past you know 10 of his past 12 goals have been glove side high 
that really doesn't mean a thing if you're not getting the exact same looks that guys in the American League are getting, right? Because the defense, like you know, the defenders are giving you something different. The systems are totally different. You're, I, I don't know. I just, I again, you guys are goalie guys too. It's like every game, every shot's different. It's uh, there's nothing that's ever the exact same. You never get scored on the exact same way. Yes, shots come to certain places. You know, someone might put it five hole twice on you, but it's at different heights. It's at different angles. It's different hands. It's off a different type of play. It's not as easy to just, you know, be like, oh, okay, shoot a little blocker on Aiden Hill and you'll score because you're not getting the exact same looks as teams that have lit them up. So uh, 100% agree. That's why it's not a game of just analytics. Analytics has a role for sure. So this is, again, this kind of goes against Schwartz's favor because he is a guy who relies on analytics and averages. Like Shannon Sabatos actually took a, uh, a tweet. on. I saved it. It's on my phone, though, and, and, and I'm broadcasting on the phone so I can look at it. But she actually did mention she's worked with Dustin Schwartz, said it was a very nice guy, but he totally bases his goaltending coaching on mathematics. And I feel like there's a lot more of that, like you say, it's different looks, different feels, different. You know, like it's more of a, you know, situational than it is just numbers. And then the thing, too, is Dustin Schwartz has never played an NHL hockey game. He's a U of A coach, and he's played U of A hockey, so he's not he has never faced that situation that he's in or was in the last two seasons. That's an unfair argument, though, because neither did the Alaires, and they and they totally, you know, they made they kind of brought up that whole revolution of goaltending in there on their own as well with, with Patrick Wall and what have you. No, I'm bringing this back to Sean Burke. He needs to come to Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> See, there, there was the, there was the plug there too. I, again, I, I think that there's that interesting element too. Like, I I would love to see you know them bring on someone like a Royden Gunn and you know and in kind of an analysis or you know just an outside role, whether it's an advisor, whatever it is. I don't, I'm sure they've got guys who they're talking to, right? They're talking to Mike Smith. They're talking to others. I just you know maybe someone in another role to oversee it could help. And maybe that guy does say, Hey, I think Dustin's got to change this or else we go a different route. But, uh, you know, I, the goalie could just love him. And so if all of a sudden, if your goalies love the guy, uh, you know, you're probably not going to go against your players in that form, right? That's the, it's the way the <laughs> NHL is becoming closer to the NBA. Although players, you know, people don't want to admit it. We all see how it is now in the NBA. The NHL is going to be like that in five years. You know, oh, the coach pisses you, you off. Bite your tongue. Bite your I, tongue. You, I, we've seen it at every level. It's, it doesn't matter if it's junior B or it's going to be at the NHL. Guys are going to be sitting out. They're going to be forcing trades. They're just going to be bitching and complaining to the media after games. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying like, oh, what the Flames did to Daryl Sutter is not fair. But I think that that's kind of, you know, where it's going to be going is, is that, oh, I don't like my coach. We get rid of him or I request trades, right? Yeah. And yet my favorite thing Daryl Sutter ever said was he's taking a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, he's a very straightforward guy. That's, you know, it's. It, great family too but again i think his coaching style just it doesn't work on kids anymore you know no. not kids it's it's guys in their young 20s right why because they never grew up with it they never had it in u18 they never had it in juniors you know they were always told they were the best they were always <laughs> going to the big fancy brick tournaments they were always going and playing summer team AAA. told they were awesome yeah. you really don't get that tough love in viking alberta anymore no, and I actually, I actually saw that when I was coaching Adam in Grand Prairie when I was doing their spring league in 07, for crying out loud, it was already starting. Like you can't discipline these kids because you can't make them do push-ups or else you're a big fat jerk and we don't like you. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> okay. That's good. <clears throat> yeah. That's funny because was... me and Chad both are, are that Viking Alberta minor hockey yeah. kind of you know, youth growing up. I, I remember we went to, like, I, I played my minor hockey in Sedgwick 10 minutes down the road from Killam, and um, we would go into Viking for a game, and if you had, you know, a short bench, there was this one guy on our team, Claude Jeffcoat, that every time he went on the ice, he would get hip-checked and go for the helicopter ride and land and, and get the wind knocked out of him, and we had basically Daryl Sutter's brother as our coach because he, he would come and he would sit on the bench and bam, right in the back, knock the wind back into him. Okay, get out there. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's, that's, how, that's how we played. Yeah, well, when I played junior 
or when I played in my, my best hockey was in actually in, in BC. So I played AAA in, in Alder Grove and we would go to Seattle to play. Um, and we would, we would just didn't show up. And at the end of the game, do you think we got on the bus and got all happy and went back to Alder Grove and everything was good? No, we actually skated the center circle until we vomited into a, uh, garbage barrel in the middle of the center ice. Like those days are gone. Yeah. If you don't want to show effort in the game, you're going to show effort now and you're going to show it until you can't show it anymore. Those days are just gone. Uh, so Had a few of those post midnight bags. Right. They were that. not good. They were not fun. And you remembered them. I remember to this day, I will never forget that ice surface, the stands, the whole, I will never forget it. Like the, like it's the, a happy memory. It's like, not a bad memory. Like the scene from Youngblood when they get back from the road trip and it's time to practice right after. Yeah. <clears throat> well, when, when, when I was coaching in Claremont in for Adam, this is Adam, the parents in Claremont gave me carte blanche. They literally gave me carte blanche to just coach their kids. And I was struggling with line changes. These kids would stay out for three, four, five minutes. They wouldn't come off. I was yelling, you know, get off the ice, get off the ice, get off the ice. They wouldn't come off. So next practice, what did we do? We did lines. I made them do lines, full, full on lines for five minutes. And if you can't do it, get the hell off the ice. So they would do lines hard for 30, 40 seconds and realize, holy crap, we work hard. The shift can't be more than a minute. And it worked. But try that today. I I had the, I had an old school mentality too. the one year I coached. (laughs) you know, kids that didn't want to ever pass the puck. I'm like, okay, so line up on the end line, skate as fast as you can down the ice and let's see if you can beat the puck. And I'd wait till they get to like the far hash marks and then let it go, let it go. Oh, you're not so fast. (laughs) (laughs) But after that practice, and that's all we did for that practice, nothing else. After that practice, if I said line change, those kids would stop whatever the hell they were doing. They would get to the bench and the other line would come out. So that's, it's, it's learning. But it's tough. Anything you need. So to... going back to what uh, you were saying, Cody, about uh, maybe bringing in some more uh, st- staff or the coaching staff there to help Schwartz or whatever, but um, whatever it may be, <clears throat> does that mean I can count on you as my reference there when I go to apply? <laughs> yeah, I, you, I mean, you've got me. Just just throw my Twitter handle. I'm sure they'll <laughs> love that. <laughs> <laughs> does that have, have a blue check mark? <laughs> no, no, we're a blue check mark brigade. We we don't get along with them. Where do uh, you play overseas? Oh, Czech Republic. Oh, a couple of small towns. I there's a one percent chance anyone knows them. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was interesting. It was very. It was different, right? I wanted the experience. I, I knew a couple of buddies that had gone over there, had a couple of mentors that had gone over there, wanted to see how things were, got the experience, was totally happy to come home after, right? Like yeah. it was. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. I thought it was awesome. I, but you know, would I want to do it for, you know, five plus seasons? Absolutely not. Especially, you know, you're the minor ranks, right? Like I finished off playing junior B. The only reason I got over there, there was a connection I had made when I was down in Des Moines, you know, it was a fluke injury. So uh, everything fell in my favor and I was able to, you know, leave on short notice. So it, it was fun. It was fun to get over there. Had a lot of fun while we were over there, but it was, you know, not something I would, you know, say it's it's a great grind to to go over there. And the landscapes changed so much, right? Even you know, ten years ago, the the minor pro hockey was still a lot more, you know, professional. I guess you know there was more money involved versus nowadays, where the whole landscapes completely changed. It's just like senior hockey here, right? It's you know very similar pay, very similar level, and you know. We've seen it in senior hockey in Alberta. Lacombe's no more. Innisfil's pretty much done paying guys. Stony Plains not investing dimes anymore, right? It, it's changed completely. Well, when, when my uncle was coaching in Belarus uh, for their national team, and then he was offered a job by China before COVID, he was very clear that their ethic over there is exactly what we are talking about, how it needs to be. 
Like oh, they it's work prison. It's terrible. Hard. Practices <laughs> are the worst, right? Especially yeah. as a goalie, right? It's you know they, they just skate around and they like do some skating drills. Not happening. Yeah. Like that's but that's the like, last thing you're gonna catch me doing. Yeah. So like my, my uncle coached Atlanta, he the Thrashers when they were still there, and he worked for Dallas as the assistant. And then when he went to Belarus, it was his favorite time coaching. Absolute favorite time coaching. So I remember they they went through a stretch in Belarus. They had a bunch of Canadians too. They had that goalie Kevin uh, Weeks. No, 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 not Weeks. Yeah, no, no. Lalonde. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to like oh, not Lalonde. That's the coach. <laughs> I don't know. Someone could go and look it up and actually do some professional research. They brought over a bunch of Canadians there, and that was that was prior to my time too, because they had reached out because my grandparents you know, relatives, Eastern Europe. Right. So there was, there was all that stuff too. And we don't talk about it nowadays, <laughs> different landscapes in the world, but you know, it was, it was one of those times where it was kind of like, Hey, you know, if you want to come play, we'll get you a passport. We'll do all this stuff. Yeah. It was, I, I don't know the minor hockey circuit as my cat runs across the screen here. It's, <laughs> it's changed so much. So yeah. it well, was awesome. again, if, if you haven't, if someone hasn't been over to Eastern Europe, I totally say go and do it. I was lucky enough to be, you know, young and still a half decent hockey player where I could go over there and it was a nice paid vacation, but like, it's, it's such an awesome time. It's something that you'll never see anywhere else. And that's, that's one of the reasons I still tell guys to this day, Hey, if you got the chance, go do it. I yeah, concur a hundred percent. I played in, Actually, I played in Slovakia for one season. Yeah. So, same thing. Absolutely, I loved it. It's probably one of probably one of my favorite hockey memories. Where did you play in Slovakia? I played in Poprad, but we played all over Slovakia. So yeah, <laughs> you can even drive across Slovakia in one day. So hundred percent. There was one awesome. other Canadian, one other Canadian on the team, and and they treated us like gold because it was an Olympic year, two thousand and two. So uh, when Canada won the gold medal, they 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 were all congratulating us like we just won the gold medal. So. <laughs> Sounds about right there. They're very into hockey in those countries. One of the first things you notice, I don't know if you notice this too, but when they boo, they whistle at the top of their lungs. Is that the same thing in, in Czech? Yeah, no, that's that's how they always tell the refs they're not happy, right? It's the yeah. whistle is a is a negative connotation for them. <clears throat> but they love their they love their beer, their food's awesome. And, and again, you know, I didn't say a single word to a guy on my team all the time. Like, it's again that no one was speaking English in small town out there. They weren't bringing over any other Canadians, so it was just uh, you were on an island, but it was a pretty fun one. That's pretty cool. Anything you need to promote, Cody, or want to promote? Oh no, I follow <laughs> us if you have to at World Hockey RPT. No, if if I, you have again, to, I, I, I mean. <laughs> Follow Heavy Hockey Network. That's you guys are doing some awesome stuff. It's awesome to see. You know, I, we've always talked about how the media landscape's changing, and, and yeah, it's shitty news with the Edmonton media market and uh, well, sixty. You know, shutting down there the other day. But like again, they knew the media is changing too. I, I I don't think that Dusty, Greg, or those guys are oblivious. Like yeah, it sucks they lost their jobs, but they've already been doing streams, podcasts, you know, digital content already. I, I think it's anyone in their right mind knows that changes were coming, and so it's good to see a lot of them prepared. They're gonna land on their feet. You really hope for like the you know the guys who are producing behind the scenes that they can also land on their feet. And so I think it's awesome to see that the digital content changes and for you guys, you know, talking Oilers in the off season, bringing different voices, having fun. I think that's what the hockey world needs more of. Yeah. 100%. Stoffer show today had a little bit of a glitch and, and the panic button was all over Twitter. <laughs> oh, don't need to tell me about it. Yeah. That was... <laughs> oh man. I, I started looking, I'm like, holy shit, what's going on? 630 Chad now too? <laughs> yeah, we can't afford that. No, no, they're they're good. Like, we got we got Oilers for three more years. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. But there, you know, like there's there's rumors of other other stuff happening, and I don't know if you're in on them or not. But uh, uh, it, that day that that all went down, I mean, Dusty was in the middle of his show, and you know, just done. And it kind of hit me that day in the afternoon because usually when I drive home. I'll throw I'll throw on twelve sixty. I'll I'll be a data muncher <laughs> from up here in Grand Prairie, and I'll try to catch because a lot of times Rashad will come on at like twenty after five or whatever, 
and I'll try to catch his little blurb there with uh, Gregor and, and Strudwick and you know that not being there I'm like Jesus this is going to be different it's going to be weird and then the last Friday Strudwick and uh, Rashog at seven o'clock in the morning started their got your back stream up so and and they were drawn like massive uh, massive amounts of people there so I think they're going to be just fine with with that but it shows like how thirsty Edmontonians and oil country are for for hockey content you know in the middle of summer oh it's it's the craziest hockey market right that's everyone will talk about Toronto and stuff but I still think Oilers fans go punch for punch with anyone and so that's what makes it such a fun hockey market to be in right there there's absolutely nothing like it I you know, I, I still have 1260 as a preset on my radio and my, you know, vehicle. But I, I've completely changed the whole pod, podcast landscape, too, where it's like I got a morning podcast. I got a drive home podcast. I don't know. It's, that's just the, the realities of it. And, you know, if I want something live or up to date, Sirius XM is great as well. So I, I should I be saying that as someone who works in, in the radio <clears throat> business? Probably not. But again, I, I think that the radio business for a lot of it is is also transitioning and, and finding new ways too, which just kind of cool to be a part of. I think that there's a lot of cool things you can do in media. And I think that, you know, at end of the day, if some of those guys are able to cut out that corporate overhead, I think they're going to do better for themselves. I think they're going to have more freedom. Look at a Frank Saravalli. Look at what those guys have done. So I, I really think that those guys at 1260 and, and a lot of the guys who are, you know, getting let go out of other ventures, they're going to have success. There's still those fans. The fans aren't going anywhere. I don't know about you guys. I don't see the fans leaving anytime soon. They still want that content. So someone's got to provide it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, side note, Cody, love your hat. <laughs> ho, ho. Those guys are great, too. Oh, man. He's got a Twitter account. They sent us a bunch of stuff. They got, like, a Coho TPS, all this old school stuff. It might just Love be it. like Coho Hockey. Someone someone can go find him on Twitter. Awesome <laughs> throwback stuff. I don't know if he's got like the branding or what to it, but yeah, it's legit. And then any times you get, you know, the Patrick Waugh colors, it's a slam dunk. Not, Bro, not... I'm still running the old. I'm still running the old Bauer Supremes on the ice. So. <laughs> not not oh, that's to... impressive if you're throwing on the pads still. Hell yeah, I not... cannot. Not not to dox you or anything, Cody, but I gotta ask: Is home base in Edmonton, and you commute back and forth to Saskatoon to do the rush? Or yeah, so I'm just outside of Edmonton in in Fort Sask, and then, okay. yeah, it's so all, all the NLLs travel, so it's uh, it's a lot of air miles, but yeah, it's a lot of travel, <laughs> Saskatoon, and and you know ripping around. So I've I've gotten used to airport travel. You get used to going on that every weekend. And then, so yeah, and I, and I still get to, you know, work in sports radio up in Edmonton. So I get to live the best of both worlds and doing lacrosse has always been something I've loved. I, I love the game. I don't know if you guys have really, you know, got into it or got to see it too much. It's, it's a very, it's kind of like a hockey basketball hybrid. It's still got that very old school physical element. It feels really throwback when you watch it. And so I, I love that. <laughs> um, if you guys have one more for Cody and then we'll, uh, we'll let him go. No, I'm nope. good. He did good? great. I'm so, so, so impressed with Cody right now. Pass the <laughs> report card. There we go. You have a new fan, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, I was a fan before, so this just kind of confirmed us. So I really appreciate you coming on, Cody, and chatting with us, and looking forward to some more of your content as time goes on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, that's. I, I wish I had a great kill him story to tell or something. Like I wish I had something <laughs> queued up. I, I think we. So you I don't went four and zero. Like you whooped their asses. You literally yeah, we, 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 we would sweep everyone but Wainwright. That was always just kind of how it was. We had, we had good teams. Like, the, the only thing I remember from Killam, other than, like, the brawls underneath, like, the benches behind there. In the like, hallway. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, okay, the best, I, I don't know, like, what? I, I mean, so they had that little, like, swinging door. It was a little wooden door. And I remember yep. at the end of one of our playoff games there, too, you're walking back to the dressing room and sticks are just getting harpooned over this thing coming your way. And it's just, like, it's hitting guys in the head. It was getting ugly. Like, so it was just an all-out melee. They had, you know, it was, you know, just getting to the bus, too. It's, 
You had a bunch of they had those horns. They had multiple horns in there back in the day too. And it was awesome too because when I was playing Legionnaires, my goalie partner was Luke Grassel, who was the goalie of Killam when I was, you know, in Cold Lake. So it was funny getting yeah. to play against him. Just a great guy. You know, like all those guys are good now too. Like Sanders, you have all these rivalries and they really mean nothing once you get older. No. So no. it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I had enough popcorn dumped on me. That was. We, there were some awesome places in that league. I wish the old NEAJBHL was back. Like, I don't know if you guys ever made it out to, like, Saddle Lake or Onion oh, yeah. Like My old man, those... my dad used to ref at Junior B and win Saddle Lake, and he would tell me stories that were unbelievable. So as a referee, my first year was referee, the last year they had. The... Yeah. As a referee, he's literally getting taken out of town by RCMP escort. <laughs> our dressing room door was a poker table i remember that <laughs> and my first year was the last year they had the bell in the arena do you remember that yep. oh, yeah so oh, yeah. when when the high school kids would ring the bell and this was like a church bell they drug in there it was so loud and once they would ring it, their fourth line would go on the ice, and it was only thing they wanted was a fight. And they would ring it until it would become a fight, you know. So it was just there. We beat them. We beat them like twenty nothing one game too. And the best part was in the third period, all the forwards were like, "If you scored, you got to leave the ice and go get changed." <laughs> so it was just. I mean, we had so much fun in that league. That was, again, like in Vagerville, we, there's just high school kids trying to climb onto the ice to fight us. Like Frog Lake was always a mess, too, getting out to the bus at the back. Wainwright was always yeah. a fun rivalry. I, I got fond memories of the NEAJBHL. That was, that was some fun times. There's nothing like it. Kids don't get no. to experience that anymore, though, right? Like, like kids No, don't get... that's tough hockey. Yeah, like, I mean, I had a bag of pennies thrown at me on the ice. Like, you know, what What other league are you getting that in now? It, 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 it toughens you up, right? It's awesome. It's, it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. Because that's, that's that's what hockey fans should look like, in my opinion. Oh, man. We would go to Junior B games. We would drive to Camrose, hit the cold beer store, come back to, yep. ki- come back to kill them just wrecked and, and like, angry while <laughs> watch games and... <laughs> And, oh man, the scene was just insane. Yeah. Like, uh, I, Onion Lake, we had a game delayed because the Zamboni driver drove through the boards too. Like we, <laughs> and, so, and they patched it up too, and they're like, "It's good to play." And we're like, so I didn't stop. And it's right behind the the away team net too, so I didn't stop a single puck there. There was a crater behind my net. Like it's just wild scenes. You know, I I remember there was just there's too many to. To go over but uh, people wouldn't believe half the stuff and again and then i heard the stories from you know five years prior and it's just there's there's nothing Nasty. like it. i wish i wish kids could still live those days but it's uh, i get it it's a different world and there would be a, a lot of hr complaints and whatnot <laughs> <laughs> the rink attendant is qualified with duct tape and baylor twine yeah, yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> get a thousand fans in some of those rinks and one security guard, and that's right? just like a parent volunteer. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was nothing. You know, we, have you guys you ever were... been in Vermilion? In the, yeah. Vermilion oh yeah. Rink oh, yeah. Too? Oh. The old Tiger Dome. We, Hang on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had the line. We had a line brawl there that transpired into the crowd as well. It was just like you don't so have many a hockey... wild things. In Jungle B, there, it's not a hockey game unless the RCMP has to come. Yeah, pretty Hang much on. The, best part. Yeah, the, the RCMP are far away enough to still get 15 minutes of fighting. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's awesome. Alrighty, guys, this has been a blast. Hey, it's awesome to see what you guys are doing and everything with the Heavy Hockey Network. It's always fun to follow along and listen, so this has been a blast. And, and again, if there's anything ever I can help you out with, don't hesitate to reach out, guys. We'll, we'll have you back Thank again, you. Cody. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching. Most people tonight were watching on Twitter on the Heavy Hockey uh, Network there. Uh, support the Heavy Hockey Network. You know, uh, go on to the website, read some articles. Uh, Ryan Lotzberg just released one today. Um, it's usually a couple uh, a month that, that go on there for sure. Thanks again, Cody. And, yeah, I remember the days in – walking into the Vermilion to watch a playoff game and Eye of the Tiger is just cranked. Uh, that place was, was, was a scene for sure. 
Thanks, everybody. Keep your sticks on the ice. Keep reaching for the stars. And go Oilers, go. Go.